Over the last decade, more than four million people around the world have been killed in armed conflicts that are fought with handheld weapons, such as pistols, rifles, grenades, and machine guns. These small arms come from all over the world. Israeli Uzis, Russian AK-47s, and American M-16s left over from the Vietnam War. They are passed from war zone to war zone through a global network of arms traffickers. Today, there are more than 550 million small arms in circulation. The United Nations has tried to stop the illegal weapons trade by imposing sanctions and embargoes. But the arms keep coming. They are cheap and lightweight, easy to smuggle across borders in trucks and small planes. Tonight, a story about one part of the illegal arms pipeline. It was produced by American Radio Works in collaboration with the PBS television series Frontline World. Rick Young reports. In Sierra Leone, West Africa, a team of UN investigators digs through a metal shipping container the size of a small garage. It's filled with weapons turned in by fighters who have disarmed after a decade of bloody civil war. The men inspecting the container are part of a team investigating arms trafficking in the region. Their job is to figure out why UN arms embargoes aren't working. We have a mix of all types of weapons, mm -hmm. from uh, pistol to AK-47 to RRs to missiles. The investigators are hoping to find some scrap of evidence that will tell them where the weapons came from. On this day, they're frustrated. There are no documents or labels, but they have suspicions. By tracking flight records and tracing shipping documents, they know that many arms flooding into West Africa are coming from Eastern Europe and the former Soviet Union. In Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, soldiers march down snow-covered steps toward the city's motherland monument. These troops are a remnant of what was once the second Soviet army, an 800,000-strong force stationed here. As the Soviet Union collapsed, so did Ukraine's military. But the byproduct of the Cold War buildup remained, according to UN investigator Johan Pelleman. We are really talking huge, huge quantities of less sophisticated weaponry, landmines, ammunition, uh, small arms, uh, all that sort of equipment that wasn't almost worth the trouble to transport back to Russia was left behind. And what most of these countries do is they, they just dispose of this weaponry and, and sell it to the highest bidder. And that's exactly what happened in Ukraine in the 1990s. As the country hit hard economic times, its surplus stocks of small arms suddenly became prized economic assets. Market forces prevailed, and Ukraine's small arms stockpiles began to disappear. In principle, it was no different from any other sphere of business. Sergei Adarich is an outspoken political commentator who edited an opposition newspaper in Kiev. The only thing is that there were no advertisements published, tank on sale or something. There's a buyer who wants to buy some arms, and he has partners in Ukraine. In 1998, Odarch obtained a confidential copy of a parliamentary report on the Ukrainian arms sell-off. The report concluded that between 1992 and 1998, Ukraine had lost $32 billion worth of military assets, a lot of it through bargain basement arms sales and theft by military officials. The committee's findings were buried deep in the bureaucracy until Odarch published the report. And then the editor got an unexpected late-night visit. When I was returning home one evening, a man came to me, asked my name, and told me to stop issuing the newspaper and doing politics at all. Otherwise, the people who stand behind him would destroy me. 
and I told him I wouldn't speak to him. And as I turned my back to go home, I heard three shots, and one bullet went into my leg. The shooting was never solved, and a follow-up investigation into the arms sell-off was cut short. The controversy may have ended there, but now new allegations about Ukraine's involvement in illegal arms sales have surfaced, and this time the charges come from a source inside the office of Ukraine's president. My name is Mykola Melnichenko. I am presently living in the United States as a refugee. Prior to that, I served in the uh, security detachment of the president of Ukraine, Leonid Kuchma, as a uh, major uh, of security. Major Melnichenko says that for several years he secretly recorded hundreds of hours of Ukrainian President Leonid Kuchma's private conversations, recordings, he says, that reveal Ukraine's involvement in illegal arms sales. Some arms sales are covered up by the head of the intelligence services or by the, the prime minister and others, the president. And depending on the importance, everybody gets their cut of the action. The U.S. State Department reviewed some of the recordings and believes they are authentic. According to Melnychenko, the illegal arms trade is carried out by the government in collusion with Ukrainian mafia. These are people who illegally uh, have come to positions of power in Ukraine and who are um, robbing Ukraine for their own personal uh, benefit. And uh, heading this, this the nexus of organized crime in Ukraine is the president, uh, Kuchma. The government of Ukraine says the Melnychenko tapes are fabricated and their release is politically motivated. It says that all of its arms deals are done legally. The problem, they say, is that legal shipments are diverted illegally by others. This is Ukraine's head of arms export controls, Volodymyr Bandura. Yes, we are satisfied that our, how our control system is working and that we are delivering to the right hands, to the right persons, to the right destinations. And what happens after that, it's, it's very difficult to predict. And difficult to unravel. Take, for example, the case of Vadim Rabinovich, one of Ukraine's wealthiest and most well-connected businessmen. In early 1999, Rabinovich flew to Liberia, Sierra Leone's neighbor to the south. I like doing business wherever I can make money. Rabinovich says he was interested in doing business in iron ore. But he flew to Liberia on the private jet of a known arms trafficker and reputed member of Ukrainian mafia. Five weeks later, a large shipment of arms, some 68 tons of weapons, was sent legally from Ukraine to the West African country of Burkina Faso and then flown illegally into Liberia on that same private jet. Okay, yes, we had a trip to Liberia. And then in five weeks something happened. I'm so sorry, but I can't help you. I can't explain what was going on. They were just showing us the country, what signs of democracy, and that's it. Weapons? I have never legally or illegally traded in arms. And theoretically, I don't know where to get them. But international police files obtained by Frontline tie Rabinovich to organized crime, money laundering, and a company accused of selling arms. And sources say that the arms trafficker, now in Italy and charged with illegal gun running to Liberia, has fingered Rabinovich for the 68-ton shipment from Ukraine. 
a shipment that U.N. investigators believe ended up in the hands of Sierra Leone's rebels. You see, it's got the original seal on it, so that might tell us something. That one, yeah, just that one. That's it. Uh, it's heavy, huh? Back in Sierra Leone, surrendered weapons are piled high in U.N. containers. The country held elections, but prospects for a lasting peace remain fragile. As the U.N. investigators found, many of the guns turned in by combatants were old and rusted. That means the best weapons have most likely been taken back into the bush or shipped off to the next arms dealer and the next war zone. For NPR News, I'm Rick Young. Our story was produced by Deborah George of American Radio Works with Frontline World and the Center for Investigative Reporting. American Radio Works is the documentary project of Minnesota Public Radio, for more on our story on gun runners, go to npr.org.